This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Today on the show, he's one part man, one part machine, and all parts legendary. <laughs> Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name's Abu. And my name's Leo. Leo, we're talking about an absolute legend today. Finally. I am so excited. We're talking about Holtzman. And, very quickly... No spoilers. So if you're if you're hovering your finger over the stop button because you're worried that we're going to venture into dangerous territory, no spoilers today. And yet, and and yet, this might be one of the most interesting of uh, our yes, episodes yes. because Holtzman's story is just wild. It's a it's a trip. Right. Every I, I promise you, as you listen to this episode, as we, you know, sort of give you the biography of the Holt, of Holtzman's life, yeah, you are not going to expect what happens next. <laughs> Holtzman's life is just so absolutely bonkers and wild. Not to mention the effect that he has on the galaxy yeah. is so absolutely monumental that we we felt like we had to dedicate an episode to him. Yeah. But you're also correct that there's no spoilers because. Everything we're going to talk about today, Holtzman's entire lifetime, takes place over 10,000 years before the first pages of the Dune novel. Right. So if you're worried about being spoiled today, don't worry. And, you know, our other spoiler-free episodes, right? Like the the history of Dune, the timeline of Dune, the uh, technology of Dune, we kept bringing up Holtzman because he really does have his fingerprints on on the most significant pieces of Dune technology. And... Technology in Dune is kind of few and far between. I mean, a lot of people have kind of abandoned in this Dune timeline. People have sort of abandoned technology as much as they can. Mm -hmm. And yet all of the pieces that they embrace and utilize on a day-to-day basis is almost all tied to Holtzman. Anyway, we have probably sold how significant he is. (laughs) Yeah, definitely, definitely. I'm glad you mentioned our previous episodes because... If you want to learn more about that technology, definitely go listen to those. Today, we're going to focus on Holtzman's life because his life itself is insane. Right. So we're not going to touch too much. Well, of course, we'll mention when he kind of has a breakthrough in technology and changes the face of the galaxy forever, as he does multiple times. But today's episode is going to be focused on the man himself, his motivations, and his lifespan, which spans many thousands of years. And you'll understand why in just a minute here. I do want to say, just to be transparent about our sources, a lot of today's episode, almost all of it, is sourced from the Encyclopedia of Dune, because, as Frank likes to do, Holtzman is mentioned many times throughout the Dune novels, and basically never (laughs) explained. Yeah. And it's up to the expanded lore, it's up to other writers and fans to sort of fill in that gap, and the Encyclopedia does that for us. So, most of today is pulled from the Encyclopedia of Dune and is barely mentioned in the Dune novel. So right. <laughs> something else to reinforce the fact that we're not going to spoil anything. None of this none of this information is in the actual books. And I got to say, Abu, I know you're you're pushing HBO right now to, to, to take you up on this Holtzman miniseries. Oh, yes. And I think at the end of this episode, all of our listeners will, will be able to sign that petition. But I think the Encyclopedia does almost as good a job pitching it as as you can oh maybe we should just send them the pdf yeah 
we should just pull the excerpt and uh, send it to HBO. And they, they got themselves a hit. They got the next Game of Thrones on their hands. It's sitting in a 700-page encyclopedia on my desktop. But <laughs> It's a long email. Right. It is a long email, to be clear. Yeah, you're totally right. It, it, his life is absolutely wild. And uh, I really can't wait to get into it. And like you said, he touches on basically every part of Dune's technology. But before he does that, Leo, before he becomes the legendary Holtzman. He's just a man. A man born in 7593 on the planet Liesco II. Born human, born fully human, and uh, the son of a planetary governor. Hmm. Oh, look at that. Kind of, not exactly quaint beginnings, but certainly nothing... Like, he's definitely going to an Ivy League school. He's, he's fine. Yeah, yeah. He's got tutors. He's got, <laughs> but might not even need them because it's known that in his younger years, Holtzman is already sort of a mathematical genius. Hmm. And of course, like any bright-eyed, ambitious young man, yeah. he decides that uh, pod racing is the way to go. No, he actually <laughs> takes up ornithopter racing, and it goes great for him, and nothing wrong ever happens. I feel like every time you do that, you're setting me up for a horrible tragedy. <laughs> Leo, which is exactly what happens. And the entire planet <laughs> blows up. No, no, no. So the the young mathematical genius, son of a governor, into ornithopter racing, <laughs> actually gets into a nearly fatal accident. Yeah. And is nearly killed at the age of 28, around the age of 28, um, while ornithopter racing. And to save him, to save his life, he has to undergo this completely new experimental brain transplant treatment yeah his brain is extracted and uh transplanted into an axolotl tank yeah and he's sort of basically like his consciousness his brain is hooked up to a giant host computer and he becomes a brain in a in a metal shell he becomes the cyborg holtzman of legend now because this is the first time or one of the very first times that this is done no one really knows what the byproducts of this surgery is going to be. Right. They save his life, but they kind of assume that it's going to just work out, that this human brain with the massive computational powers of a computer will, will kind of just be okay. So no one really knows what his mental powers are, but it's sort of estimated that Although he's still thinking in very much the way that a man thinks and the way that the young Holtzman thought, he is thinking much faster by an estimated factor of 10. Wow. This, this boy, fast. He is a fast thinking lad. He's fast. And remember, <laughs> already a mathematical genius yeah. before he became part cyborg, before his brain got implanted into a giant computer. And now he's now he's 10 times the mathematical genius, potentially, that he was before his accident. Yeah. That's absolutely bonkers. Not to mention, in all of this, post-op, he no longer needs rest, sleep, or food. Honestly, kind of the dream. I could get so <laughs> right. much done if I didn't need to do those three things. <laughs> well, listen, Abu, I think then it's time uh, yeah. that you take up ornithopter racing. You know what? Let, let's skip the whole fatal accident. I'll just volunteer for the brain transplant. Hook me up, baby. Let's get some axolotl <laughs> tanks. Yeah. <laughs> so post-op, Holtzman is laying in the hospital. His, his uh, laying. He, he's plugged into the hospital. <laughs> he's he is present in the hospital. We'll say yeah. that. Yeah. He's, he's, he's not really laying. That, that verb doesn't really belong with Holtzman anymore. <laughs> right. Um, so he's there thinking very quickly, no longer sleeping, no longer eating, no longer resting. Pretty much immediately he starts planning. Now, one of the unintended, of course, consequences of the transplant is uh, paranoia. Yeah. He becomes tremendously paranoid. Like, people are out to get me. Who? Who's to say? Yeah, quickly, I need to get away <laughs> because people are out to get me, you know? So <laughs> quietly, without anybody noticing... right. He starts hacking into systems around Liesco too. He actually orders a construction of a host spaceship anonymously and does so 
it like forges all the whatever so the people building the spaceship are like yeah this seems legit let's just make this really specific weird spaceship his account name is like placeholder five six seven nine twelve four eighteen <laughs> right 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 the, the spaceship yard is like guys come on we gotta get the placeholder construction done Mr. Placeholder is being so patient with us. He is a VIP client, Mr. Placeholder 18, 14, 17, 19, 32. <laughs> so he orders this ship and they start building it. As soon as it's done and ready, he signs his own release from the hospital. Yep, just break into the hospital records. This is so good. Uh, HBO, if you will, imagine this episode. A, a computer planning his own Ocean's Eleven prison break heist. Yeah. Where he has to construct a sh- spaceship, sign his own release records from the hospital, <laughs> get to the spaceship, yeah. like ship himself into the spaceship, Yeah, and then trick the launch sequence to let him go first and bounce out of there. He doesn't have a body, <laughs> he and he's escaping a, a hospital. <laughs> what an episode of television. I can see it now. <laughs> It would be so satisfying <laughs> to see all the little pieces come into come into place. So not only does he successfully get installed in this ship somehow, which is just crazy to think about, he then skips the takeoff line. Right. So, so you know, signs again, signs some papers, and they're like, "Please, placeholder has places to go." Right. <laughs> Clearly, Mister Placeholder has an important meeting. Get him to the front of the line. <laughs> At destination 4297. Come on. <laughs> so he he leaves. He he successfully launches this ship, which for all intents and purposes, let's be clear. His brain, his axolotl tank, mind, and computer, host computer, is now installed in the ship. The ship is basically Holtzman. This is, his new body is a spaceship. So... This is perhaps twist yeah. number one. Yep. Young man, ornithopter crash, his entire body is a spaceship now. Uh, maybe. I don't know. Did you expect that? Right. What a plot twist. <laughs> what a plot twist. Who, who would have predicted? You know, all of his teachers were like, oh, what a young, bright <laughs> mind, a mathematical genius. You'll go on to do great things, probably be the next governor of, of Liesco 2. And it's like, I'm a spaceship now. That young man is going to grow up to be the finest spaceship we've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely bonkers. And I think this quote deserves to be just said directly from the encyclopedia because the reason for Holtzman to do this entire like hospital prison break Ocean's Eleven shenanigans and blast off into space and become part spaceship and then just hang out in orbit for nine years is for a particular reason. And this is the reason I'm going to quote the encyclopedia directly. Before anyone could stop him, Holtzman triggered a suspenser nullification device and disappeared into the void. He wanted time to think. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> you know... He just wanted some alone time, Leo. He's an introvert. You ever felt that? Nine years of it. <laughs> you're just like at a party and you're like, oh, it's just there's so many people here and I'm feeling a little anxious. So many. I should... I should walk around the block for nine years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, so, sometimes you feel that. You're like, man, I'm on planet Earth. There's seven billion people here. It's kind of crowded. It's a lot. I'd love to just blast up into orbit for nine years and get some alone time, you know? Like, really, yeah. really work some things through with myself. That is what Holtzman is doing. And to, you know, all joking aside, to be fair, the dude just nearly died, got experimentally transplanted, and is now, like... A box, you know, I imagine. Right. right. Yeah, I, I literally, when I think Holtzman in the hospital, I literally just imagine a server room. Like, he's just a server room box. And now he's, like, part ship. It's a lot of change. Yeah. I mean, he's got some shit to think through and figure out about himself and his future, you know? So yeah, we joke about him just blasting off for nine years just to take some time to think. Yeah. But at the same time, like, realistically, he's going through a lot of, like, psychological trauma at totally. this point. Yeah it makes sense for him to need to like process it in the empty void of space away from like everything. And he has this extra new paranoia, which was not part of his personality. And, and if you, if you spend, you know, 28 years of your life as a rational, reasonable, reasonable young man, who's a mathematical genius and all these things suddenly being paranoid, why would that, why would you assume that that paranoia is unfounded if you've been able to rely on your own mental processes until right, this point. Right. So it makes a lot of sense in, in so many ways. 
and it's still epic and incredible. And he has this very practical problem to solve, which I think is kind of charming almost. He's going to be floating through the void for nine years before he returns to Liesco 2. What do you do? How do you fill the time? And he decides, you know what? I've always really liked that suspenser nullification effect, you know, that barely understood because at this point in the timeline, the suspenser nullification effect is how ships travel at great distances very, very quickly, but it's not yet very well understood. Uh, so he is like, you know what? I, I've always liked that. I've always thought that was interesting. Let me take my mind off of my pursuers and my the trauma of losing my physical body and the the horror of that crash and nearly dying let me just do some light reading yeah so like any responsible citizen he pirates a bunch of books from the library <laughs> of liesco too his late fees are fucking astronomical <laughs> nine years they're like when is placeholder coming back Mr. Placeholder has so many books out. <laughs> but he's a VIP client. We can't pressure him. <laughs> but he's a VIP. There's just a guy in the room. But he's a VIP client. <laughs> so he checks out all these books and materials, and he basically commits himself to studying and thinking about and theorizing and working through his own, you know, this is his dissertation that he's working yeah. on for yeah. nine years nine years of study and research and remember holtzman thinks 10 times faster than you or me in fact probably more than you or me because he was already a mathematical genius which yeah. i for one am not i can't speak for you leo i'm not i, I opt out <laughs> of that classification <laughs> exactly so not only was he already a genius he's thinking 10 times as fast as any other human at the moment because of his computer body and he has nine years to kill while he's in orbit before he circles back around to liesco 2 and in just eight years, yeah, he has learned. This is a monumental stat. Yeah, uh, I was blown away by this. In just eight years of his orbit, he had learned more about the suspenser uh, nullification effect than the best minds of the past five thousand years. Incredible. Yeah, easily an expert on the suspenser nullification effect at this point by a mile. <laughs> so this is he's thirty six years old technically. Imagine being someone who's like the long line. I like this is probably the suspensor nullification effect is probably a doctorate degree that people are studying in like the leading institutions around the around the star systems. And this 36-year-old cyborg kid comes back from his 9-year like walkabout having discovered more about it than anybody for 5,000 years. Yeah. It's incredible. Absolutely bonkers. And it naturally leads him to some new discoveries, right? Yeah. And like this, this is where Holtzman changes the galaxy for just the first time in his life. Right. There will be more. Right. But this is the first time he, he discovers something that will be known as the Holtzman wave, which is monumental. Right. Because at this point, we, we forgot to mention earlier, Holtzman was born and uh, on Liesco 2 during the time, a time known as the dark ages right for the empire and dark in quite literally the sense that they had no way of faster than light communication back and forth from planet to planet so quite literally like if your cousin went to seleucus secundus you were never going to hear from them again probably right. because it was too far away like communication within the empire um was quite literally dark from planet to planet and holtzman here in eight years, <laughs> discovers the Holtzman yeah. wave, which is a way to instantaneously send messages back and forth across pla uh, across planets. Incredible. He he invents the galactic telephone. I mean, essentially, he single handedly reunifies humanity in this in this one move. Yeah. Now he doesn't. It, it could be cleaner than what it what happens. He's on this like eight year trip. He's learned about the Holtzman wave. He's discovered it. Hasn't yet. I don't think he's coined the term yet, but he's on his ship. He's or he is the ship. Uh, <laughs> he still thinks he's being pursued by like assassins, I guess. So he's sending and this is bold. He's sending like 
taunting messages back to Liesco throughout his journey, like, ha ha ha, you can't get me, yeah. I'm out in space, and people in Liesco are like, what is happening? Where, <laughs> first of all, where are these messages coming from? Ha ha ha, I'm not going to pay these late fees, fuck you. <laughs> They're like, is that the guy? Is that, is that Mr. Placeholder? Is that Placeholder? And uh, he's VIP! Uh, <laughs> meanwhile, also, quick side note, the messages are being broadcast from the planet. The planet is emitting the signals. So they're like, what? what is happening? This is crazy. And the messages are sort of teasing this discovery. Right. You can't find me. I won't pay my late fees. Also, uh, I can now communicate faster than light. Idiots. You know, and <laughs> everyone is baffled. Yep. The planet's emitting this signal and no one knows why. Right. right. <laughs> and he can remain more or less undiscovered. Yeah, well, uh, until his dad realizes what's going on. Right, right. Ev eventually, his dad, again, the planetary governor of Liesco too. Is this my fucking son? <laughs> yeah, his dad is like, wait a second. That's exactly how he used to talk to me. Mr. Placeholder? That sounds like a made-up name. <laughs> <laughs> right, so his dad realizes, wait a second, this is Holtzman talking. Yeah. And... You know, being the planetary governor, his mind goes to the possibilities here. Right. His son has just changed the technology that has fundamentally changed the way the galaxy will operate forever. Totally. Yeah. Planetary communication is now possible. The Empire can finally stop being these like disparate colonies that are millions of light years apart and be a unified empire. And Holtzman's dad is like, my son is brilliant. Yeah. We got to either control him or destroy him because he's going to give this technology to our enemies. He either needs to work for us or we got to stop him yeah. from, from horsing around. Cause I don't, I don't know if you got this sense, Leo, but as I was researching this script and looking into Holtzman, I got the sense that he's kind of like a punk. <laughs> like he just loves fucking with people. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he's also just extremely brilliant, right? So, like, he's he's fucking with you at a level that you probably don't even comprehend. <laughs> the ultimate troll. Yeah. You know, Papa Holtzman is like, oh, yeah, yeah, my kid's an asshole. He's going to start giving technology to our enemies, you know? And uh, ultimately, his dad concludes, okay, we need to either rein in my son and, you know, take, you know, use his technological brilliance for ourselves or we need to destroy him. Yeah. And he ends up in uh, in the year 7556, sending out three ships to go capture Holtzman. At this point, Holtzman is referred to as the Mad Holtzman. Right. Which is to say, people see the ship floating through space. And this is, yeah. you know, it's silent, but it's this kind of weird ship. No one's ever seen a ship like this because it was this custom-built thing. Yeah, I imagine at this point he has dropped the placeholder moniker. <laughs> yeah, I guess he, so, He's right? come out. <laughs> I also see this as, like, the Headless Horseman. You know, everyone's kind of seen it. People kind of talk about it. Uh, but it's this legendary thing. So these three ships hone in on the Mad Holtzman. Now, when Holtzman, the ship discovers and, and detects the three ships coming after him, he sends an SOS to the six nearest star systems, basically saying, hey, y'all, your boy, Ibrahim von Holtzman here, discovered faster-than-light communications. Hot shit, right? Super cool. Uh, my dad, super bummer, trying to, trying to shut me down, trying to silence me, even though I have this great technology. If you come help me, save me from these three ships... I will tell you how to build it. And five of the six systems that he contacts immediately come to help. They come to aid him uh, in, in evading his father. Yeah. Before they have a chance to get to him, right? They send ships to save him. Before they have a chance to, the Liesco ships actually manage to hit the, the Mad Holtzman with some long-range shots. Yep. And... That's crazy. Again, this is going to be the most action-packed episode of television yeah. anyone's ever seen. Yes. Oh, my gosh. This gets wild. So he gets hit. Yeah. Broadside. Yeah. Boom, 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 boom. Right. The shots hit him before those five other planets, their ships could get to him and help him. He doesn't die. No. The shots blow apart his stern, and they tear up his suspensor nullification manipulators. Right. Uh, right. All of that is to say, basically, his ship is now, like, sort of crippled and floating in space. He has no way to control it. Right. Right. 
and the 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 shots sort of spiral him out of control into another orbit away from Liesco. Uh, the last orbit was eight nine years, right? Pretty reasonable time. Yeah, this is a little longer, just a little bit longer. This is just a yeah. little bit longer. This new orbit that he's now sort of been shot into without any control over the ship, aka his body, yeah, is an eighteen hundred year orbit. Eighteen hundred, almost two thousand years. Oh my god! And this is into the dark void of space, right? Far enough from any nearby stars that he realizes as he's spinning out of control into this 1800 year orbit he realizes his he, he's going to have to kind of power down and he's going to have to like deactivate his systems yeah in order to not burn out his batteries and die yeah he's got to flip that iphone to low power mode so fast <laughs> yeah it's a fast you know it's a fast switch but before <laughs> he does right he calculates his return mathematical genius right calculates his return and he sets up an auto wake up procedure, right? Exactly. Yep. Wake me up when September ends, but also 1800 years from now. And get this, as he's spinning out of control into the sunless, dark, cold, lonely void, about to every person he's known is going to be dead when he comes back. Every bit of the universe is going to be different. 2000 years in the future. Crazy. Yep. He still uses the last moments his some of his power to broadcast his instructions for how to construct the Holtzman wave transmitters to any system he can basically accurately target. Here's the blueprints for this groundbreaking technology. See you in 1800 years. You'll all be dead. You'll all be dead. <laughs> but I will have because he recognizes this is the key, right? We're in the midst of this dark ages. Humanity has a chance but only if they discover this thing that I know. He could have, because again, he's being pursued by assassins. His own father sends these three ships to kill him. So, so many reasons to be selfish in that moment. And instead, he looks at the broader picture. He looks at humanity's path and says, I need to do this to help them. And so he just rapid fire, shoots off these blueprints, and single-handedly, changes the course of humanity yep forever changes the entire face of the empire forever and this is where the reunification of the empire begins now that planets can communicate with each other instantaneously politics changes government changes war changes everything changes and the humanity sort of comes out of this dark age where everyone is sort of isolated on their own planets or at least within their own systems that they're able to reach in a reasonable amount of time and instead, the Empire balloons out. The wars of re reunification effectively begin after after this technology is implemented. It's wild. Totally changes the face of the galaxy. Right. I'm, I'm actually interested, though, Leo. You sort of touched on this next point already that I wanted to ask you. But you seem to be uh, projecting this idea that Holtzman did it out of some sort of feeling of good. Yeah. Or he like he did it for some altruistic reason. Do you think that was his motivation? Because I, I, I would love for us to like spend just a minute or two here speculating like what was going through his head. You're spinning out of control. Like you said, you're spinning out of control, icy void, 1800 <laughs> years, everyone's going to be dead. Yeah. You have this technology that changes everything. What's going through his mind at that moment? Like what was his motivation for just like, here's free technology, everybody? Well, whatever would be going through my head, 10 times more than that. <laughs> Plus, you know, plus being a mathematical genius. I, it's, it's really hard to say because, you know, a 28-year-old ornithopter racer, I could, I could paint that as a brash young man, um, now paranoid, kind of breaking the rules, doesn't really trust people anymore. There's a lot to that recipe. But I also think that Holtzman's decision to investigate the suspensor nullification effect i think addresses a deep desire to understand things that humanity had thus far failed to understand humanity was utilizing this suspensor nullification effect to travel to just distant stars but didn't really get it yeah what an obvious thing to figure out what an obvious thing to be like guys we should understand how cars go <laughs> uh 
considering we keep making them and are relying on them to drive our civilization. <laughs> so I do see sort of a, a human perspective on him. But I think personally, the more we talk about Holtzman and as we get towards uh, the later parts of his life, because we're only 2000 years through it so far, <laughs> we, I, I start seeing this theme of Holtzman is one of the most human focused individuals in the galaxy. Mm, interesting. And though he is paranoid and though he is kind of weirdly taunting and teasing and maybe kind of a jerk to people, again, his late fees are astronomical. <laughs> he's never going to pay those. <laughs> he's never going to pay those. Spoiler alert. Library's probably gone by the time he gets back. Uh, he, very demonstrably, he does these things that have no benefit to him individually and have this massive benefit to the, the humanity. And I trust that a genius thinking at a factor of 10 faster than me would have considered the impact on humanity and made that decision for it. Um, yeah. But I don't know. That's me. I'm kind of an optimist and a romantic. Certainly. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree to some extent, but I actually, I, I agree that he's a genius and like would have recognized the effect that he was about to have, like the absolute bombshell he was about to drop on the galaxy. But I think that's maybe his perspective on it. Like, I'm going to drop I'm going to drop the mic here and disappear for 1800 years. What a flex. <laughs> Isn't this going to be fucking awesome? <laughs> yeah, look, yeah, like like not to not to paint him as some like immature punk rock kid, but again, mathematical genius at a very young age, got into ornithopter racing because like yeah, he's addicted to adrenaline or something, I don't know. Glory maybe, yeah. And like then becomes quite literally the first brain transplant cyborg computer ever, which gives him effectively some level of superpowers i think he would recognize that he could change the galaxy and go down in history so i agree with you on that like he recognizes what he's doing is going to change humanity probably for the better i i'm sure there's a certain level of curiosity there about hey given this very unique hand of cards in life let me see if i can figure out the suspensor nullification effect where the greatest minds for the past five thousand years haven't been able to I can do it. You know, there's maybe a level of arrogance there. I think what I will say to just sort of wrap up my speculation, I think at this point in his life, Holtzman is sort of young and angsty enough. Like, again, I said, I mentioned it earlier. I think he's a punk. I think he's fucking with people. Like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm positive that the paperwork he signed to get out of that hospital was like, please let Mr. Holtzman, blah, 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 signed Mr. Fucks with you or something, you know, like... I see Wiener. Exactly. I see Wiener. Like, to me, he he's like a prankster. He's a jokester. And he knows he's so much smarter than other people that he can get away with it. This final moment of him just shooting out his faster-than-light telephone technology to everyone when his dad is trying to capture him, to me, reads as like, Hey, I'm about to I'm about to rock your fucking world, everybody. And B, fuck you, Dad. Middle fingers. I'll see you yeah. never in 1800 years. You know, like that's a good point. Yeah. That was my read on this one. Uh, he's gonna come back. We're we're gonna transition into his second pass, and when he finally makes it around in 1800 years, I think perhaps those 1800 years have matured him a little. Maybe. So that's not yeah. that's not my read for later in life. But at this early stage in his life. This reads to me as a giant fuck you to his dad and a giant fuck you to the universe. Like, you people are going to remember me. I'm going to disappear for 1,800 years, but I am cementing my legacy. Also, see you later, dad. That's how I read it. You you actually draw some really good points. The idea of, like, dad sent some assassins to kill me. Well, he's clearly trying to silence me. What's the opposite of being silenced? Telling everyone. So that's that's a really good point. Yeah. I also agree that... He has a sense of theatrics about him. You mentioned kind of dropping the mic. Yes. Later on, yes. he does some things that are pretty obviously theatrical. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I do like that idea of him just middle fingers to the sky as he <laughs> spins <laughs> off into the icy void. So single-handedly, he sparks basically the wars of reunification, which are still raging 1,800 years later when he passes through the Oliesco system again. Now, this is in the year 5694 BG, before Guild. Mm -hmm. And at this point, he is at the spry young age of 18, 
I don't even know how to say this number uh, in <laughs> as an age. He is at the spry young age of 1,899 years old. Now, I will say he's been kind of dormant for a long time, so I don't know how much... My, my understanding is every one of these passes, because his orbit continues, this is a spoiler, he, he kind of continues this massive 1,800-year orbit, uh, I get the impression that he does most of his thinking and his theorizing and his philosophizing and everything in the midst of this passing through Liesco, um, mm-hmm. because he spends multiple years in the system each time he passes. It's kind of a slow orbit, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I imagine he just sort of shuts himself off and goes into low power mode when he's out in the void. Uh, you know, unless he he's like doing calculations and research out there. Uh, I imagine for his own sanity, he needs to shut <laughs> off for, you know, a couple hundred years. <laughs> it's a long time. It's a long time. So this is his second time in Liesco. This is 1800 years later. He quietly, by the way, he's like looking out probing with his faster than light communications everyone's fighting and he's like there is a lot going on i'm gonna right i'm just gonna quietly fix myself fix up my some of my broken systems this isn't said in the encyclopedia but i get the impression he, he maybe he like orders some like automated repairs from you know at, under mr placeholder yeah <laughs> uh, i thought you were gonna say order some takeout like get <laughs> get some gets like his favorite burger he's been missing for eight, 1800 years doesn't need food anymore does it he just looks at it that's oh you're right you're right i'm a fool i'm thinking like a human and not a cyborg Damn not it. thinking like holtzman <laughs> he just calculates his favorite hamburger so he doesn't draw t- attention to himself he quietly keeps floating right he's like this party is too much of a rager i'll try again <laughs> next week <laughs> see you guys in 2000 years 1,800 years later, we're on to Holtzman's third pass. And as he returns to the Liesco system, he sends, he kind of reawakens, he sends a brief message to Liesco. Hey, y'all, how's it going? What's going on? Yep. At this point, and it is so important to note this, we keep saying 1,800 years. Yeah. Think about how much changes in 2,000 years. Do you remember the year 200, Leo? Because I don't. <laughs> I I do not. And countries that now exist in our old countries did not exist then. Planets are going to change. Governors, entire systems are going to be wholly new. And this is what happens, right? I kept thinking as I was reading this biography, people are going to remember Holtzman. They're going to remember the guy who created the faster-than-light communication. Yeah. And in a sense, they kind of do. But he's this legend, this myth that is told... Because the last time anyone saw him, really, was 3,600 years ago. Uh, imagine, like, Alexander the Great walking into your apartment and being like, hey, <laughs> right. do you want to go invade India? And you'd be like, what yeah. the fuck? Yeah, Alexander the Great <laughs> saunters in, and you're like, you, but even more so, because I feel like we know he's a historically real person. At this point, Holtzman's almost like a myth. Yeah, true, true. So he sends a brief message to Liesco, and... At this point, Liesco is no longer the planet that he knew and was raised on. At this point, it's a prison world that isn't really anticipated to be receiving and sending very many Holtzman wave communications. This is like a max security prison yeah. getting a collect phone call. <laughs> they're like, well, uh, hmm. So the provincial warden's office on MacTune 3 is sort of notified Hey, you guys got a phone call? Uh like in like a faster than light phone call? Yeah. He he says he's a Mr. Placeholder, very <laughs> VIP. Very VIP. He's stressing <laughs> very VIP. <laughs> and so this warden of this prison planet is like, well, we should probably check out why our prison planet is receiving communications, right? Our prisoners trying to escape. What's going on? VIP person suspicious you know right so they they send investigators to the planet yes and what ultimately ends up happening is holtzman decides to he's like fully aware that these investigators are coming right right he can intercept these messages he knows that mactoon has sent over investigators to liasco uh to like check up on this signal and find out who this mr placeholder is and <laughs> he uses this opportunity to publish 
another groundbreaking discovery that he has made <laughs> sometime during the past yeah. <laughs> 1,800 to 3,000 years uh, over his two orbits now. Right. Uh, he has right. had ma- made another absolutely groundbreaking discovery, and he uses this opportunity to publish it and let these investigators discover something that will become known as the planar effect. And everyone's just like fucking shook by this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, of course, they're skeptical at first, but... Because he signs it. He signs it, right. Yo, your boy. Yo, boy. Holtzman here. <laughs> they're like, is your boy his first name? And they, they're like... <laughs> your boy, placeholder? People, they're, they're naturally skeptical. They're like, what? We know this Holtzman of legend. Right. Or, you know, vaguely. But this cannot be the same guy. How is that possible 3,000 years later? 3,000 years. Yeah. And uh, they, they take this planar effect blueprint or data or whatever discovery that he gives them, and they take it to the greatest scientific minds of that era. And they're like, hey, is this legit? Is this actually Holtzman? Right. Does this planar effect actually work? And they realize, yeah, 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 it's him. And this works. It's him. It's full of fuck you dads. Very consistent <laughs> language. Right. The language is consistent with what we know about Holtzman. He just drew dicks on everything. It's very, <laughs> very Holtzman. <laughs> very important to note here. Although Holtzman is the brain behind this thing, there's this chief engineer of House Varick, Mr. Stiven. And Stiven is the one who is, he's the chief engineer. He's a smart guy in his own right. He succeeds at following the instructions and creates a node for the planar effect, which is the first foundation of shield technology. Yeah, yeah. This is kind of a delightful side episode in the Holtzman miniseries. Stiven is working with this node, and he creates this plane, this this Holtzman planar effect. And as he's kind of trying to figure out what it does, he accidentally drops a screwdriver, and the screwdriver hits this planar effect and slows down dramatically. Mm -hmm. Could this be used as a shield? So let's try it out. Let's test it out. Let's go down the list. Let's shoot missiles at it. Okay. It it worked. It worked. It it successfully blocked missiles. Cool. Uh, uh, What about a more powerful missile? Whoa. Okay. Uh, Still worked. Okay, great. More, most powerful missile. Natural. And then, poor Mr. Stiven tried a cutting laser. Because, you know, that's more powerful than a missile. And, quote, the planar effect did not mix well with coherent light. That's a very academic way of saying, don't shoot lasers at this thing. It'll fucking blow up. (laughs) Atomic explosion. Yeah. Poor Stiven died in an accidental nuclear explosion because he shot the wrong thing. But again, think about it. One of the most groundbreaking discoveries, again, in human history, thanks to, again, Holtzman. Yeah. Shielding technology changes the way warfare is conducted. Yeah. You cannot use laser guns anymore. Shielding is now a thing, a major thing, and uh, laser guns uh, can't be used anymore. So more uh, knife fighting and hand-to-hand warfare (laughs) has to be conducted at this point. Fundamentally just rocks the galaxy again before disappearing. Absolute flex. Invents telephones, reinvents knife fighting. (laughs) Holtzman. Holtzman. So in addition to discovering shielding technology and not to shoot lasers at it because it'll fucking blow you up (laughs) yeah Stiven also confirmed one other thing he looked at the research notes right like he obviously looked at the planar effect research notes that holtzman beamed out to everyone and created shields from it so he he's thoroughly versed with it right and he confirmed to the leadership that yeah this is actually holtzman i can confirm it the the phrasing matches with the way that someone from 3000 years ago would speak and talk and the dialect you know matches up with what Holtzman is claiming this is the real deal yeah he's Holtzman and uh this is absolutely wild like to get this confirmation that this legend from 3000 years ago yeah is still floating by your planet <laughs> and uh, him dropping this monumentally <laughs> earth-shattering technology on you again yeah. is like two incredible confirmations uh, so shouts to Stiven; he's a major player here 
And, and it's his confirmation that basically leads the warden to reach out to Holtzman. Warden pings Holtzman by sending messages to Liesco. Holtzman gets these messages, right? Yeah. Kind of, what the hell? <laughs> you are old. Uh, where have you been? Also, how are you so smart? We want to know so many things about you because we thought you were literally a myth. <laughs> right. And Holtzman, and this is, I, th- I see this as the beginning of Holtzman being a little bit dramatic and theatrical. He uses this opportunity to broadcast a brief biography mm. in response and then says, hey, y'all, I'm going to be back in like 1800 years. I'll talk to you more then. Uh, and and by the way, just to make sure everyone gets it, here's shield technology to everyone. Yeah. Making sure that everyone has kind of equal access to this shield tech instructions. Now, Abu, mm-hmm. clearly a flex. I mean, that's a, that's amazing. Amazing. This is just part of this kind of 3000 year long bit that he's doing. But why, why, why do you think he does this, right? Like, he, he is single-handedly changing the galaxy over and over and over again. Do you see this in line with his sort of prankster persona? Yeah. Or do you think this is a new stage of his maturity? What do you think? I, I think, I love I love how you described it, that it's more theatrics at this point. I, I think his sort of young, immature prankster persona from 3,000 years ago <laughs> has evolved into something that's a bit more theatrical. Like he he's enjoying the fact that he gets to swoop in every 1800 years and then just rock humanity's world before disappearing again. I think he's really enjoying that part of it. Uh, and on top of just scientific discoveries, right? Like I imagine him being really into the science of it. Yeah, I imagine yeah. him getting excited when he discovers something like the planar effect and realizes, hey, this is another flex bomb I can drop on those losers, <laughs> you know? And uh, I, I think he's definitely matured. The thing that tips me off here to a different type of Holtzman is the fact that in response to the warden reaching out, he just responds by dropping his biography. I think at this point, Holtzman realizes he has dramatically reshaped the galaxy forever, not once, but now twice. And he's much more focused on his legacy which is why he would drop something like a biography, like this is who I am, put me in the history books. Uh, I'm sure he's actually kind of a little annoyed that they had to confirm that it was him, you know? <laughs> right. Like right. he was maybe expecting to swoop back around into the into Liesco's orbit and for everyone to throw him like a welcoming party and, and worship him for changing the galaxy. And they basically forgot him. Uh, and I think this shows a much more heavier focus on what's my legacy in the in the galaxy how will i be remembered and less of a focus on like middle fingers fuck you here's a (laughs) here's like an epic prank or an epic flex some of that dna is still there but i think it's much more about like cool i need to permanently cement my legacy in human history i've already done it once let me drop shielding technology let me give them a biography that i know will be printed in history books for thousands of years let me make sure that these people remember the name holtzman yeah, I, I I think you're 100% correct. I think prankster Holtzman would have been like, here's a cool technology to shoot lasers at, <laughs> idiots. Yeah, exactly. And and he doesn't. Uh, this is also, Holt, Holtzman is becoming less paranoid. His paranoia, his, his fear of being pursued and discovered, he is still making sure that he is not being traced. Like he is still making sure that his orbit is pretty much safe. But Again, he confirms that he is Holtzman. Yeah. If you were Holtzman trying to avoid pursuers, what a bad move that is. <laughs> what a <laughs> terrible move it is to be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm James Bond. Again, the worst part of every Bond movie when James Bond tells people his name. Right. I'm the world's best spy. And not only that, but I'm James Bond and here's my biography. <laughs> right. Here's a short biography uh, if you want to read it right now while I watch you read it. Um so he is he is maturing, or at least he's changing. And perhaps 3,000 years later, maybe it's not even a matter of maturing. Maybe just the paranoia from the surgery that saved his life is fading because wounds heal and because scars fade. And yeah, maybe maybe that's his form of maturing. Yeah. And we, and we certainly see that on, on some of these future passes that he makes. So right. Holtzman, Holtzman's right. not done, right? He drops shielding technology. He disappears for 1,800 years. 
And now we're at round four, basically. He returns for a fourth time right. in the year 1970 BG, before Guild. And at this point, he I'd say he's uh, middle-aged. <laughs> he's 5,623 years old. Yeah, he's still got some <laughs> gas in the tank, you know? He's, yeah, he's going. exactly. So he returns again for the fourth time. Liesco, once again at war. Like, I'm starting to sense a pattern here. <laughs> Typical Liesco. <laughs> Typical. So Liesco's at war, but the incredible thing is that what Holtzman wanted happens. <laughs> they throw him a party. They stop the war for two months yeah. in anticipation of Holtzman arriving. And when he gets there, they're like, yo, you're back. This is what he wanted. He got it. Guys, 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 guys. I know that we're fighting a war. We've got our reasons, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Holtzman's coming back. Yeah. And this is the time. This is the point at which Holtzman coins the term the Holtzman effect, which becomes the thing that you will see in the pages of Dune. Uh, the Holtzman effect is this umbrella term that encapsulates kind of all of his incredible discoveries, uh, all of the things that he's figured out and, and, and sort of established. Right. And it's noted that as he's passing this fourth time, he is way more talkative way less paranoid mm -hmm. maybe he's a little lonely now you know it's it's possible that loneliness is a part of this but he also mentions kind of offhandedly oh yeah like i set up this trap so that if anybody comes aboard my ship my ship will blow up in an, an atomic <laughs> explosion just in casual conversation you know i don't know how you exactly <laughs> yeah. fit that in i'm sure he brings it up like all the time too in a weird way like <laughs> oh well you know the 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 bomb i set up anyway, anyway. so i was there <laughs> yeah <laughs> And everyone together sort of all at once goes, oh, right, Holtzman's crazy. Right. <laughs> He's mm. incredible. What a genius. He's changing humanity's path time and time again. He's sharing out this information. He's not demanding wealth. He is still a little bit... Cautious. Cautious. He's still... He is taking precautions in case something happens. And what that something yeah. is, no one's really sure, but totally fine and i think what's notable here about this fourth pass is that holtzman doesn't necessarily drop a galaxy shattering technology that changes things forever <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like this time he's just sort of slapping a name on it holtzman effect again probably plays a little bit into his ego like i know you guys right. remember me you stopped this war for me let me make sure that you never fucking forget my name so Put here's, name the, here's the holtzman it. effect right <laughs> slap my name yeah. on it so he names it, probably, um, you know, answers some questions about the theories, whatever. But mostly this is a this is a press tour for him. Uh, he's not <laughs> launching a new product at this point. Just a press tour. And he does, though, like, you know, like every press tour, he does hint that he's working on something big. Of course. You have to. And he says, I haven't finished it yet. The past 1800 years weren't enough. I think the next 1800 will. So I'll see you next time with another earth-shattering discovery. Yeah. I promise. Yeah. And he just hints at it. They're like, they're asking him questions like, what is it? Tell us. And he refuses to say anything about it. Probably again, being overly cautious as he is. And uh, he's like, no, 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 I'll finish it in my next 1800 year pass. I'll let you guys know later. So honestly, the people of Liesco at this point kind of left on red for 1800 years. <laughs> and that sucks. <laughs> yeah. That's what a feeling, you know, what a feeling. If you've ever been left on red for an hour, pfft. 1800 years blow that out to 1800 years <laughs> awful but he does sort of do this press tour and then as is tradition at this point as we all know with holtzman right moves on and takes another 1800 year lap around the galaxy now this is where the story is wrapping up and and is sad mm. his last pass through the liesco system is in 108 bg and this is at the tail end of something called the Butlerian Jihad. Yep. Now, if you uh, remember from our timeline episode, the Butlerian Jihad is one of the most significant moments in the history of Dune for the reason that this is the moment where all thinking machines are hunted down and killed and exterminated in this mass genocide. And unfortunately, uh, Holtzman didn't anticipate this and so when he told everyone yo mark the calendar <laughs> 108 bg i'm coming back you know i'm back baby and i got something <laughs> big 
and I'm a cyborg, and I'm part machine. <laughs> These not great things to, to lay on the line. Not great things, considering the Butlerians are not... They, they're, they're hunting down these thinking machines. And there's the ethics of that, right? There's the ethics of this genocide. Yeah. But also, they're like, we're going to kill Holtzman, which doesn't even really make sense. I mean, I, I acknowledge that Holtzman is no longer just a human. Right. He's a brain in a box. He's a brain. He's a brain in a box. He's, <laughs> he is a brain in a box in a ship. It is very easy to look at Holtzman and understand that he is not human anymore but he was born human yes and he is still thinking his thought processes follow human thought patterns yes and he even shares he feels human right even though he's a ship and he's over five thousand years old right he himself says i feel human but that's not that's not enough he is he is still enough machine that the butlerians the uh basically plot out where they think his orbit's going to be and they do find him. They find his ship yeah. before he's reawakened. Yeah. And, and and this this fifth pass for Holtzman is significant in the sense that this is almost the final exclamation mark on the Butlerian Jihad. Yeah. Like you said, they knew to the date when Holtzman would be coming back. He told them. Yeah. Yeah. And so the Butlerian Jihad happens. The humankind turns against thinking machines. They turn against artificial intelligence. This brutal genocide takes place. Yeah. And then these people realize there's one more very famous thinking machine that's about to enter orbit. Right. And in 108 BG. And so they prepare. This is actually kind of wild. The Jihad forces come to Liesco in preparation. They're ready. They're waiting for him. But in addition to that, because the Jihad has so much religious fervor and it's so religiously motivated, pilgrims show up to the planet. They crowd the planet to the point where there's like logistical problems in housing and feeding that many people. Yeah. There are ships just waiting in orbit around Liesco to watch what to them is going to be the grand finale of the Jihad. Holtzman is like the final machine they they need to kill before it's all over. It's like this giant fucking spectacle, which I found just so interesting. I it, I am like almost physically sickened by that how disgusting it is. You know that this person Holtzman is greeted in this way, but also I had the thought that made me laugh of what what this is just the librarians who are <laughs> fed up with six thousand years of late fees. They're like. <laughs> Mr. Placeholder, <laughs> we don't buy your story anymore. <laughs> the Butlerians are really just librarians. <laughs> really angry librarians. Committed to the Dewey Decibel uh, <laughs> organization. They're like, these computers are coming in. <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah, they're all just there like, Mr. Placeholder, it's time to reap what you've sowed for 6,000 years. Ebooks have ruined libraries. <laughs> Get rid of them. Yeah. Wow, that is dumb. <laughs> it's not librarians, even though we like to imagine it is. It is no. a bunch of very brutal no. people ready to murder this man and make a spectacle out of it. And that's exactly what they do. Like you said, he enters orbit. Yeah. All of these ships are waiting for him. They're not about to throw him a party. And they send out you know, ships where they think his orbit will be, and they do end up finding him. And then, this is wild, they... Yeah. Basically, like, flip a coin to find out who gets to go kill Holtzman? Like, who gets the honor of, of yeah. making the kill, of ending the jihad, right? Uh, again, for someone who literally made human progress possible with faster-than-light communication, it's, uh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, absolutely wild. And the person who draws the, I guess not the short straw, the, the, the straw of... <laughs> Getting to go down in yeah. history as the person who kills Holtzman is someone named uh, Viana Kellis. Viana Kellis, and she gets the honor of uh, killing Holtzman. So she boards Holtzman's ship slash body, and uh, what do you know? Holtzman wasn't bluffing. He had a fucking trap set, <laughs> and boom! Yeah, nuclear explosion. Viana dies. Holtzman dies. That is the end of an absolute legend now as a side note the bomb that he planted the dead man's trap that he like set up on his ship was a combination of a holtzman shield and a laser so this dude he knew 
about the the shield and laser combination being an atomic blast in the making. Yeah. In retrospect, he didn't tell them. He didn't tell. Why didn't he tell Steven? Why didn't Steven he could tell? Have lived? <laughs> so maybe he was still a prankster. He was like, ah, they'll figure it out. Oh <laughs> Just God. like, yeah. No, that's a good point. I hadn't connected those dots. That's brilliant. He knew. It's kind of funny. What a what a what a jokester. This piece of shit. <laughs> but but actually, in all in all seriousness, uh, this is this is the end of Holtzman's journey. Right. It is unclear whether in his previous pass and his fourth pass, he mentioned, "I have this one last thing to tell everyone." It's possible he did. It's really it's literally possible he had some huge future shaping thing. Yeah. That now is lost forever. It's also entirely possible that he was being theatrical. Right. Yeah. He could have just been bluffing. Like maybe he just, uh, maybe those first two discoveries was all he had in him. And he was like, oh man, what do I tell these people? (laughs) Or, you know, he's like, guys, the next one is going to be huge. And they're like, whoa. And then he turns away from them and he's like, okay, now I need to come up with something really good. Right. He spends 1800 years panicking. Like, (laughs) what do I tell them? I didn't write the paper. So who knows? Who knows? I I am actually of the belief. And again, I think we're both pretty biased as very transparent Holtzman stands on this podcast. I am actually of the belief that he did have a discovery. I think so. I think so too. And, uh, you know, I think this could have been, again, something totally earth-shattering that would have changed human history forever again, and it would have been his hat trick. But unfortunately, the jihad, the forces of of that genocide ended him before he could share, share if there was a discovery. And thus, the entire galaxy was blue-balled <laughs> and left on red. We'll never know. And I blame the Butlerians for that, frankly. I mean... He was on his way to pick up the iPhone to, like, text back, <laughs> finally, after 1,800 years. He was about to not leave the, the galaxy on red, and the Butlerian slapped the phone out of oh his hand God. with a nuclear explosion. Shatter that screen, man. Shatter sh- shatter that screen. He didn't even have an Apple Care. <laughs> Your Apple, the Apple Care doesn't last 1,800 years. Oh, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, that that is absolutely... The, the galaxy is left blue-balled. And frustrated, the Butlerians got what they wanted, I guess. And again, we cannot understate the effect that Holtzman had on the galaxy. I hope it's been made clear during this episode that the dude just absolutely rocked the galaxy multiple times and achieved in his notably long lifetime more than people do in generations and generations of scientific discovery. Uh, So we, we, our hats go off to Holtzman. Absolutely. Also, Years later, people still refer to the Holtzman effect in, you know, 30,000 years, yeah, 20,000 years after his, his birth and death, he's still being talked about. So on some level, maybe he succeeded. Yeah. As we wrap up, mm-hmm. th- there's this interesting note that I really appreciated in the encyclopedia. And I think this drives home one of the most interesting things to consider about Holtzman. Yeah, this was really good. Which is that he was exactly what he needed to be. In order to move humanity forward in the way that he did, he had to be precisely what he was. Mm -hmm. He was crazy enough, literally paranoid and insane and fixated enough in order to be utterly focused in his work, machine enough to be utterly painstaking in his research, right? But human enough that he's able to make intuitive leaps that brought every answer that pushed humanity forward. Again... Machines are limited, and this is one of the lessons of in, in the Dune universe, the, the understandings. Humans are able to make non-logical, intuitive leaps from thought to thought that a machine might not be able to make. And Holtzman was human enough until his last moments to make those sorts of thought conclusions and leaps and connect dots that a computer might not have recognized the similarities between or the, right. the uh, connecting fibers between. So being the insane machine man that he was, was exactly the combination that needed to happen for humanity to get to where it was. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, our intro to this episode was only like half of a joke. We, we said part man, part machine, all parts legend. He was the perfect recipe. He had just the right ingredients to achieve what he did 
like a normal human being could not possibly do this. A normal human being in the Dune universe doesn't live for 5,000 years, doesn't think 10 times as fast as the average person. All of these things that he achieved are because of the path his life took, because of that accident, because of his his uh, brain transplant. And I think you're right. He retained that humanity, which gave him the the abilities that a computer couldn't. But he he got the abilities of a computer that a human couldn't. And it was just that perfect balance between those two things. And I think in addition to his sort of physical abilities, his how smart he is and how uh, what his body can achieve with that much, um, you know, with a lifespan that that's that long, I think in addition to that, his personality really played into this as well. We talked about how paranoia was a big motivator for him. His ego seems, at least <laughs> nice. the way yeah. I'm reading it, seems like a big motivator for him. He wanted to be remembered. He wanted to change humanity forever because he knew he could. But the key thing here that's just prevalent throughout the Holtzman's entire life is this perfect balance between genius and insanity. He was just crazy enough to do this thing, and he was just genius enough to pull it off. Yeah, yeah. Not once, but twice. And I think we have to we have to note that that he's the perfect balance between those things. And like doing this research for Holtzman, I kept thinking back to this quote that like I'm going to paraphrase it because again quotes get yeah misattributed and lost all the time. But I guess Aristotle said this from what I googled. <laughs> Uh, no great genius has ever existed without some touch of madness. And I think that's so true of Holtzman. Someone like Holtzman could not have become who he was without the perfect, perfect balance of genius and madness. And it's incredible. His story is just so good. And I would love to learn more about him. And I would love for HBO to reach out to us at gomjabarpodcast.gmail.com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Who would you cast as Holtzman? Shit, you have me stumped on that one. My my mind immediately went to... Have you seen Cloud Atlas? Uh, yeah. You know the guy that plays... I'm just going to Google it. Just Tom like, Hanks. <laughs> Tom Hanks. Best known for yeah, his role on. in Cloud Atlas. Tom Hanks. Dude, I love Cloud Atlas. I fucking hated it. Oh, really? Wow. I, I hear the book is superb. And I think having read the book, maybe the movie makes sense. Um, okay, so let let me back up. Yeah. Blah blah blah. You just asked me who would you cast as Holtzman, uh, and I'm going to pretend I had an answer ready and locked and loaded. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen Cloud Atlas, Leo, but if I got to cast Holtzman, I would probably go with Ben Wishaw. Ben Wishaw. He played Robert Fro- uh, Forbisher, Frobisher. Oh, in him. Cloud Atlas, and I I think that's the character. That's literally who I imagine when I think Holtzman. When I read about Holtzman. Uh, ben Wishaw is in my head. I think he's got the perfect look for it. He's like a, if you don't know who he is, imagine Benedict Cumberbatch, but <laughs> not as intimidating and handsome and a little more weaselly. That's Ben Wishaw. <laughs> a little quirkier, right? And I mean, look, look, Benedict Cumberbatch could rock any role. So if we can get him, if, if we got the budget HBO, <laughs> let's shoot for the moon. How about this? <laughs> ben Wishaw pre-operation and then Benedict Cumberbatch can be Holtzman the ship yes uh give me the voice of benedict just give me smog yeah he'll mocap the ship <laughs> <laughs> mocap the ship uh so true that's perfect we did it hbo please email us and in the meantime uh we're going back into orbit so yes. uh yeah. <laughs> we will uh see y'all in 1800 years bye <laughs> bye here's our biography Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening, and remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you on the Golden Path.